Hello there, and welcome to the Izzy Talks podcast. I have a very interesting episode for you today. There's no denying that England is one of the most popular countries in the world, and I'm sure that we've all heard cliches about what the English are like and what England is like. So in this episode, I talk directly to an Englishman and ask him if these cliches are true or not. I'm certain you'll enjoy the conversation, and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under the name Izzy Talks. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the conversation. So, hello and welcome. Another episode of Izzy Talks is about to begin. And today's guest was actually the first person I wanted to have on my podcast. So it's great to finally have him here with us. I have to say that I feel absolutely blessed to be able to call him a friend. Like we say here in Brazil, we're, we're actually more than friends. We're brothers. And uh, we truly are in faith. And honestly, all I have to say about him is that you, you can't say that you've experienced kindness until you've met my guest and his lovely family. Last time we were together was in July 2019, uh, and curiously, it was also the first time we were together. You see, we, we had met through a work project back in 2013 and had only had online contact with each other, about 8,500 kilometers apart. So we had never actually met in person but then in 2019, when I was in the UK, we finally got together. I got to personally meet his family, and um, I'm very grateful for the time we had together. Uh, I consider him to be a typical Englishman. Uh, he's very knowledgeable about England, and that's the reason I invited him to our interview. So let me introduce him to our conversation. A very warm welcome to you, my friend. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you for inviting me, Izzy. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Chris Beveridge. Uh, I live in Hastings, which is famous for the Battle of Hastings in the year of 1066. Also, the place where television was invented by John Logie Baird. I live here with my family, Anna. Um, Anna is, uh, was actually born in Hungary, but she's now lived in England longer than she ever lived in Hungary. And I have two grown-up children, Mark, who's 18, and Charlotte, who is 22 on Sunday. Brilliant, brilliant. So, uh, how's the weather? We were just joking. I was <laughs> expecting this to be a video interview, so I set it up outside. And as soon as I put the computer on, it started to rain for the first time in nine weeks. I kid you not, <laughs> we've had beautiful blue skies maybe one or two days where it was a little bit cloudy, but today is overcast and sitting with little bits of rain. So I I'm, actually... glad, uh, I'm, glad... I'm glad you told me to come inside, it's fine. <laughs> I actually interviewed Paul about two weeks ago and he said that you were having a dry spell for a long time now and it, that you hadn't seen rain for quite a while. But then today, <laughs> today was the day. Uh, right, so, Today's topic is quite interesting um, because all around the world we hear about 
what the British are like and, and what England is like. And without a doubt, it's one of the most popular countries in the world. Um, and I also say it's one of the most fascinating countries in the world because it has so many peculiarities which you just don't see in any other country. You know, their culture is surely intriguing, their customs, their traditions, and especially their history. Uh, so due to this popularity, we've all heard that the British enjoy drinking tea and um, the royal family is majorly popular and so on and so forth. So in today's episode, I'll be asking directly to an Englishman if the cliches we hear about the UK and the English are true or not. Some of these were sent in by our listeners through our Facebook page. So let's get down to business. Chris, are you ready? Sorry. That's all the right. dog just wandered in and left the door open. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not going to edit this. I'm going to leave this on because it was funny. Don't leave it. That's fair enough. <laughs> So, so we have dogs in England that live in the house. I'm not sure that's how it is in Brazil, but we have yeah. a small dog and she just pushes doors open and then sits on the carpet. That's so nice. she's got <laughs> Right. Chris, one rule. You have to be absolutely honest. All right. Okay. That's the only rule. So first one, this one was sent in by one of our listeners. And interestingly, it's about rain so it's it says it's always rainy and gray in the uk is that true it depends when you come if you come in the summer which is about a week in july it will be beautiful <laughs> a week in july, <laughs> a week in july yeah. if you come in that one particular week in july it will be gorgeous like that there is time where where england has great weather so over the last nine weeks it's been blue skies and it's been quite hot, which has been quite a blessing because we're in lockdown. Mm -hmm. yeah. And today is it's a bit of an anomaly. It's, it's actually quite refreshing not to see blue sky because the clouds, well, where we live in Hastings, we're right on the coast. Mm -hmm. So we get great big formations of cloud that, that come over and, you know, the light from the sun coming through. They're not just grey. So at the moment now, if I look out, it looks a little bit like a... a a Turner painting. Mm -hmm. if you've ever been to the National Gallery or if you Google Turner, he was one of the great masters and he was just incredible at painting light with paintbrush and watercolours. So it, it kind of looks like that. So the clouds, what I can see here, they're not so much grey, but they're kind of like got a kind of like a bluey grey hue. Um, not so much white, more sort of like a yellowy white. Mm -hmm. Really is quite beautiful. But, you know, apart from this um, atypical moment that you're living, right, um, with a lot of sunshine, uh, would you consider England to be a rainy and grey country in general? If you were to ask my wife, Anna, she would say, yes, it's a rainy and grey and miserable country. <laughs> okay, she, add, she added miserable, right? <laughs> yeah, she would add miserable as well. She's good at her adjectives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, your family's been over when we've done immersion and I'm sure most of those have made it into huge A0 posters in your, your lovely new language school 
and there are blue skies. That's not something that uh, that Paolo has photoshopped. You know, That's it's true. Bowling Castle. Every time we go to Bowling Castle, it's always glorious sunshine. There's normally a biplane that comes over and does loop the loops from the local airports. Yeah. There's a steam engine that comes across with the steam sort of puffing up away, and that, that always hits it. That's think, true. You know, if you were to look back, you know, there's probably days in Brazil where you can remember when it rains. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it, it rains a lot in the summer here. So uh, we get but, afternoon showers every, uh, every day, practically, in the summer. Right. Because it's a tropical country, so it rains a lot in the summer, but in the winter, it hardly ever rains. Right. So it's really, really dry in the winter. But um, what Chris said is true. You know, it, last July, when I was in, in the UK, I spent a month over there. And uh, we had absolutely beautiful weather almost every day, every day. And it was really hot. There were some days, uh, I remember specifically, it was a Thursday. And I don't, I, ha I don't remember feeling that hot ever in my life because it was so, so hot that day. I actually had to leave the hotel room and go to the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, because it was so hot. So uh, I went to the beach quite a few times. Yeah. Um, I actually went swimming in, in the sea, which I had never done before when I lived there. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it depends on the time of the year. Uh, although most of my memories from my childhood, they're grey and rainy. Right. Most of them. But do you think that that influences people's mood and health? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, if it, if it pours down with rain, people obviously will delay going out shopping. You know, they'll bemoan going to work in the rain because it means people are going to drive a lot slower more people are going to be driving. So like doing a school run, you know, that becomes an option. But even thinking about it, I mean, 2020 has been a very tumultuous time of year because we had all of the fires in Australia. So that just dominated the news, all the bushfires that are coming down. At the same time, we had massive floods in the north of England and in the west of England where like just streets were just becoming torrents of water. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Brexit, so that then dominated the news. Mm -hmm. And then we've got COVID-19 again. And probably these things are still going on because it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But it just seems like our, our, our media, our news media, will focus on one narrative and, and, and that will be it. Everything else gets sort of like eclipsed out of the way. And I hear that uh, there's an Ebola outbreak in Africa at the moment. We haven't heard that yet. Yeah, get ready. Probably. I think it's coming. Uh, but, you know, yeah, 2020 has been completely mad. And let's see what happens. I, I hope we can finish this year. So I, I don't, it doesn't look like it, does it? It doesn't look like we're actually going to get to the end. <laughs> well, we, we, both, we both read the Bible and we both believe it's inspired word of God. So what I say to, to people who perhaps have not read the Bible, it's like, you've got at least seven bad years to come. <laughs> that clock sets. But you, know, you have seven years where it will be a lot worse than it is now. Yes, this is just the beginning. <laughs> well, um, Jesus talks about the beginning of sorrows, didn't he? So, nation, lives engaged nation, false prophets. 
multiple stitches. You can see that, you know, very yeah. predominantly any, you know, top selling Christian book author probably won't mention Christ, certainly won't mention repentance and Christ crucified in that kind of uh -huh. subject. Yeah, uh, that's right. And Jesus said that that would be a sign of the end coming that people would eat, drink, get married as in the days of Noah. And then suddenly destruction would come upon them. I don't think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing more of a the world's been at rest. Zechariah the prophet, he talked about that time. Mm -hmm. Under the bushes, he saw uh, people on horses, which was probably a Christophany of you know, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the, the world has been at rest for the first time, certainly in our, life, in our lifetime as our generation, your fathers and probably the grandfather before that. Because we have gone to and fro. And now all of that is under threat. Immersion is under threat because you might not be able to travel to the UK because you might need 14 days quarantine. Right. And then 14 days quarantine when you go back. And we know that how much your students invest into four weeks in England. So then to have another two weeks outside of that where they can't work, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, really yeah. yeah, well... Um... Uh, what you said just now, you know, um, I had thought about that before that we, since the beginning of the century, I think we had, uh, well, after this, the second world war, maybe we had an amazing peaceful time, although we had the cold war after that, but the world has been a better place to live since the second world war, I think, because it was so, um, I it think probably for your, for your average citizen that's not involved in conflict, but you think about it, in the 90s we had the Gulf War. Yeah. Then, you know. <laughs> As I was saying that. Yeah. As I was <laughs> saying that, I, st I started to remember all the, <laughs> the different conflicts yeah. we had around the world. It's like, another, it changed my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we've had another Gulf War. We've had Saddam captured, tried and executed. We've had... Uh, Mama Gaddafi lynched by his, you know, by his people yeah. and, and killed before even being brought to trial. So there have, there have been real sort of shakings going on. And the latest is Trump, you know, allegedly using rubber bullets and tear gas to clear away so he can awkwardly hold a book that I don't think he's ever actually opened and read, despite proposing so, you know, so he can have a photo opportunity. So the reporter says, is that your Bible? And his reply is, it's a Bible. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he's signed up to one of your early open access English language things where you're just looking at articles. And he's like, no, I want to use a Bible because it begins with a consonant. So therefore, it's correct to say a Bible. Rather than one. Yeah, and I know. It's probably that. He's probably one of our students and we had no idea. And he's just using articles because he thinks it's it's fancy i don't know <laughs> but yeah the world the world get up front if he if he does if he does sign on get get a payment up front from, from the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he might he might forget to to pay but even that you know james corden the uh english chat show host uh in the states hmm. do you know james corden not not by name no Google him, Google him, like listeners, Google him. But his dad actually sold Bibles. That, that was his job for um, his whole career. 
So he would sell uh, Bibles and Christian music, even the, the little fish, the ichthus fish that people stick on their cars. I don't know if you have that in Brazil. Yeah, we do, yeah. Then you have the other version, the Darwin one with the legs. So anyway, so James Corden asked his father to do a video on how to hold the Bible. So he has the underarm Bible, which you can then pull out and offer to someone. If they don't want it, you just put it under your other arm and walk away. The open Bible, the Bible on the heart, the Bible that you would use to in court to swear the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah. At the end of it, he just read a couple of verses from his, because Trump, Trump was asked to share his favorite Bible verse as it was his favorite book. And Trump said, it's too personal to do that. Father, <laughs> um, he just, Malcolm, Malcolm Corden is his name. And he just shared his favorite Bible verse, like, you know, to primetime American TV and read from Psalm 37. Right? Wow. Delight in him and give you the desires of your heart, wait patiently for him. That's actually quite brave to do in the US because the media uh, will probably edit anything that comes out from the Bible. So. But because it was, I think, going from James's garage, I think he just like, I think it almost went live on air. Right, you could yeah. see James's face. And even, you know, it gave an insight into maybe James's upbringing as well. Because obviously he would know that his father sold Bibles and probably went to church and read the Bible. But James didn't have a, a clue, really, in sort of like how long eight verses of the Bible would be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, pray for James Corden. He's met he's <laughs> on a Kanye West aeroplane and Kanye shared the gospel with him. Now he's dad. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've had all the opportunities. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got a couple of books. And Jesus had two disciples called James. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, the world is a bit hectic, but I think, um, well, we, we have faith, right? And um, I do believe that things are going to, to get better again before they get worse forever. So I think things are going to get better soon. Um, and they need to because um, I, I've just bought plane tickets to the UK for October. So things need to improve quickly. <laughs> get ready for you, Izzy. Don't worry. <laughs> it was a bit of a gamble, really, because the, the tickets were really cheap, and I thought, Dad, seriously, forty percent discount. We have yeah. to go. Yeah. So you well, can back, and you can change your flight details fourteen days before. I think that's what most airlines are doing. So yeah, well, probably I wouldn't count on it, though, because. Everything in Brazil is a bit different. <laughs> we just have to say, the Lord willing, you'll be able to get your tickets booked in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If not, yeah. Lord willing, you'll get a refund. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. But it's going to work out, I'm sure. But anyway, so, um, yeah, we talked about the weather. Now, this, the second one is something that, you know, we hear a lot here in Brazil. Um, the British are always on time. Was I on time for this meeting? Definitely. Was I? Yeah. Who made me download the app again? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, um, I do like to be on, on time because I don't want to stay any longer than I have to. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why. No, I said 10 o'clock, so I'll be there at 10. 
but I want to leave at half past 10. So don't expect me to stay around for another 15 minutes because I, I got there on time. We've, we've got friends in our, in our, obviously we go to church, but they're from like different nation, nations, nationalities. Mm -hmm. We've got some people who were born in Nigeria, but their parents are, are Russian. Okay. So they have a very, so if, if they were perhaps to say, oh, we're going to come round soon, that might mean in an hour's time or, you know, 90 minutes time or just, you know, just before you've really decided they're not coming and you're about to go to bed and then they roll up. That's exactly so, yeah, the same. People do like to be on time. Uh, our public transport doesn't run to the same, same notion that that's good. <laughs> That's in Hastings now, I've noticed. Like, I mean, I drive, so I very rarely take public transport in Hastings. I, mm -hmm. It would be quicker to walk rather than wait for a bus if I wanted to go to town. Mm -hmm. But now we have those digital signs. Do you have those? No, well, some places, some places. Yeah, yeah. It tells you how long it's going to be. So, like, yeah, but uh, when our students. 45 minutes to the next one. It's like, well, 45 minutes, I could definitely walk there and back. <laughs> well, you know, but, but it says in 45 minutes, but it does get there in 45 minutes. Here in Brazil, we have an app where you can follow the bus um, route. And um, it's never correct. I mean, my girlfriend once waited for like two hours for the bus, uh, but it was, it was to another town. So she had, she couldn't walk, but uh, it said it would be there in two minutes. It took two hours. So right. uh, yeah, it, our students, when they were in, 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 in Hastings last year, they were amazed that the public transport was actually almost always on time. Right. So, yeah. For, for them, it, I mean, if you think it, sometimes it, 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 it's late, but for us, it's on time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. So people are punctual, and it is, you know, it's considered rude if you if you do turn up late. So I mean, sometimes you run into traffic, and then I would make time to pull over and let that person know that I'm going to be late because of traffic. Mm -hmm. I mean, driving into Hastings, the last meeting I had, um, I, I do PR work for a, a theme park near Hastings. So we had a, a new website commissioned and there were traffic lights at, at the end of the park before you actually got into town. And I was delayed there for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I had to then like call them and say, I am on my way. But I literally left, I allowed 10 minutes to get into Hastings Town Centre Park and then get to the meeting because that is ample time to do it. But you just yeah. have a little red light, look, some gas main going up and then, you know, you, that means you're half an hour late and your reputation is... It's not as great as when you got up in the morning. So like being on time has everything to do with your reputation, right? Because that's what I think. Um, yeah. Being on time is, is, is show of respect, right? For the other person. Oh, and it's money, let's say, isn't it? Time is money. So you, have a business money, yeah. here, you are up 15 minutes late. One, you might still have that meeting, but it'll be shorter. Or it'll overrun into somebody else's meeting. Mm-hmm. That's that's something actually that we we don't respect very much here in Brazil. Uh, time is like time is abstract for us here. Um, not for me because I if I say I'm going to be there at ten, I'm going to be there at five to ten. So because my my philosophy is 
if I'm five minutes early, I'm on time. If I get there at the exact time we, we scheduled, then I'm late already. Uh, and if I get there five minutes late, then I just didn't show up. So it's like I didn't show up. So I hate being late. Uh, if I have something to do, I start getting ready much sooner than necessary because I don't like being late. But the rest of the country doesn't work that way. If they say 10 o'clock, it's half past 10. Right. Yeah. So you're always 35 minutes early? Five minutes early, at least. No, 35 minutes, because you said if there was a meeting at 10, <laughs> Exactly, yes, yes, yes. That's right, that's right. <laughs> what do you do with all this downtime? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, well, you, you have... And if you leave, if you leave, they get offended. Right. You, but, and you say, yeah, but I waited for half an hour and you didn't show up. He said, I did show up, but you weren't there. But it's like, so they get offended, but it's funny. It, these, cultural, um, these cultural characteristics, they're funny because um, people actually get offended, right? And um, I do, I get offended. I tell my students, look, if you come in five minutes late, I'm going to lock the door. And there's, you can go and complain to whoever you want, but I'm not going to open the door if you're late, unless you have a good reason for being late. Yeah, well, education is a higher law. I don't, you know, <laughs> culture, culture will always be separate from education law. You know, <laughs> if class starts at half past nine, the class starts at half past nine, no matter what your culture is, you're late. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that is true. But I can see that it's impregnated in, 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 in the culture. Being late is completely acceptable. Um, so, you know, it's sometimes we're having a conference or something and, and they come in 20 minutes late or 30 minutes late, halfway through the program. And, you know, they just don't, don't care. But um, it is cultural over here. And I miss that about, about England. I, I really miss that. So, right. So this one is true. English people are usually on time because it's a sign of disrespect to be late. Is that right? Would you would you say that's right? I would say definitely. Right. That's correct. Brilliant. Right. Number three. Another cultural characteristic. Uh, this was also sent in by one of our students who who were who was with us in the cultural immersion from 2013, um, 2015, sorry. The you British, uh, Giovanna, do you remember her? Yes, I do. How's she doing? Uh, she's all right. She's at the end of the advanced level, right. speaks brilliant English now, and uh, almost got her certificate in English now. So. Her host family have moved. They've moved into a smaller flat, so unfortunately they can't, they can't be hosts anymore. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's a yeah. shame. Gutted about that. Yeah, she okay. actually had a, a gift for them. We were going to take it for them this, uh, in this year for the cultural immersion, but we're not going anymore this year, so we've postponed it for next year. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, she had a gift for us to take to, for her host family. So next year. <laughs> Put it in the freezer. Sorry? Put it in the freezer. <laughs> we will. <laughs> so the British are more reserved and keep to themselves. I think it depends because British is not just people who are English. You know, it, it, 
it could be people from other nationalities who may be like third or second generation into it. I think it's down to personality types as well, because you can have people obviously extrovert, introvert. So, yeah. You, How would yeah. you consider yourself? Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? I'm an introvert that can be extrovert when required. Okay. You're managing. But I have to like gear myself up for it. So like for a business networking meeting, I would rather go into that room and talk to that one person that I know and speak to them for the whole period rather than go around the whole room, introduce myself and sort of like just having five minute conversations. Got it. For me, yeah. I'd rather have that kind of relational thing because it's just how I'm wired, I think. Mm -hmm. No, I think I'm the same also. If I go into a room and I only know one person, that's the only person I'm going to talk to for the rest of the, <laughs> for the rest of the night. Um, right. Um, and so they're fine with that. They're fine with that. They don't mind you talking to them all evening. <laughs> they don't want to talk to anybody else. They're happy just talking to you. <laughs> so, so you you do agree that? Um, so you agree that uh, the the English? Well, it doesn't depend on on being English or not. It depends on personality. Then that that's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the English, you know. They probably will be reserved. So if someone is behaving inappropriately, it has to be really, really bad before someone would actually step in. So okay. people tend to keep their head down. I, I think it's a, there's a proverb about, you know, if you see a fight, don't, don't be like a dog and just get involved with it because it's, it's none of your business. You're actually just going to put yourself in, in more harm. So, maybe maybe there's there's wisdom in the fact that british people tend to keep themselves to themselves yeah and, but you you know what's interesting is that you don't you don't talk about your feelings to to someone that you don't know very well would that no. be right to say right you, well, I mean, the typical greeting is how are you but the the answer isn't your life story the answer is i'm fine thanks how are you? I'm fine, thanks too. Thank goodness for that. We've got that in common. We're both fine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then you talk about the weather. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Conversation starters. They're the best. Yeah. They're the best. I mean, that's why that's why your students are paying thousands of pounds and using their holiday up, basically, so they can meet British people to say, "How are you? <laughs> How's the weather?" <laughs> That's right. You'd like a cup of tea, which I'm sure is going to be the next question. Yes, that's one one on the list. So, uh, you know, but I think it's interesting that the English, um, they're not very touchy. And by touchy, I mean uh, not sensitive. I mean, uh, they, they don't like to touch people. Um, no. It's useful in the unprecedented times which we now live in, where you're not allowed to shake people's hands or even have your hair cut. So. You're right, yeah. But again, you know, it, depends. it depends because if you are, you know, if if you are in a going to a church, a local church, then it would be very normal to to hug and shake hands, or even give like a kiss on the cheek or, or whatever, because oh, okay. that is that's church culture. That's we love one another. That's mm -hmm. that's how we that's how we roll. Yo yo, that's how that's going to be a huge challenge. That's going to be a huge challenge, right? when churches are eventually allowed to reopen mm -hmm. it's going to have quite a, 
a lot of restraint because people were told in, in the New Testament to greet each other with a brotherly kiss, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, you, you can use masks. You could use masks. That's true. Right? Those big face masks. I'm, I'm expecting Ray Comfort, the evangelist, to come out with tracked masks. You hand out masks that have a Christian... <laughs> a Christian blessing upon it. Wear the mask. The law, the Ten Commandments printed on, on the outside, and then inside you'll get the gospel. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, you should patent that idea. Uh, next, so, so for this one, you disagree. The British are not... It's not a question of nationality, it's a personality trait. Definitely. Right? Number four, everybody loves the royal family. What, the TV show, The Royal Family? <laughs> no, no, no. The actual, like the, the, actual the, the Windsor family. Wait, if you've, got, if you've got more than 500 Facebook friends, if anything comes up about the royal family, you always have a few of them who will get very, very verbal about the fact that that we shouldn't be supporting the royal family at all. So right. um, uh, we hear from the Queen once a year, actually hear her voice when she speaks. So the, the rest of the time it is pretty much sort of silent movies of her waving and cutting ribbons and things like that. But we, we hear it on Christmas Day, so she does the Queen's speech there, which she gives a review. Um, and she's also spoken, obviously, more recently because of COVID-19. Now, going back to the Second World War, when she would have given the address, uh, she, she would have been a lot more um, forthright with her opinion about God and turning to him. Um, but in, in later times, she does, she mentions God. But when you think when we're in a time of national crisis and thousands of people are dying and times like that that there would be a call maybe to humble ourselves and, and pray to god to to stop stop the disease or whatever um but that in in mainstream media is is now frowned upon because we are she's the queen is the defender of the faith mm -hmm. by faith that would mean christianity particularly the church of england which she's it's not actually the head, because obviously Christ is the head of the church. Mm -hmm. um, but should she come to the end of her reign, because she's now, I think she's 97? Yeah. My granny's 100 uh, next week. Why would she come to the end of her reign? Because she might die one day. No, she won't. She's eternal. Haven't you heard about that? No. No, she, uh, she, she doesn't die, man. She's, she's eternal. She's like a cyborg. She's never going to die. <laughs> Well, that might upset Charles quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charles. You yeah. have to deal with it. But well, Charles, actually, Charles has already said that he would want to be a defender of faiths. So in his own reckoning, he's rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, over for Allah, everyone else. So, you know, so that doesn't really bode well for British society. Yeah, because it, it is, um, in its base, it is a Christian country, isn't it? I think it's, uh, no, we're in sort of a postmodern oh, yeah. era. It's almost all well, post-truth is what being, what's been labelled. 
So the world is, you know, I, I would say British society as a whole has rejected the whole notion mm -hmm. of, sort of Ten Commandments and things like that. So, so, yeah, so the I, I would say it's, it's not important. So it, when we go out and do evangelism, there might be there might be people who have a sort of like the Bible stories like Joan and the whale and Noah's Ark. They might have that vague kind of idea. So there is a there is a, a theological ignorance within British society now. And they do not they they would not be able to explain the gospel to you. I was I had a friend round uh even on a bicycle actually. Um and just trying to explain to him. So he would say that he is Anglican, he is Church of England. Okay. And then getting into a conversation with him, I would ask him, well, do you know what the actual, what, what is the gospel? And he just looked a little blankly. Mm -hmm. And then he'd say, oh, uh, I don't believe in a hell, but, uh, you know, from what I've seen, I think re reincarnation is possibility, which is Hinduism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> mixed, know, yeah. Philosophy. Yeah, and we then, have a lot of that here too, yeah. And not believing in a literal hell. And it's like, well, Christ spoke about hell, you know. Mm -hmm. Often says all things were created through him and for him. Jesus mm -hmm. Jesus created a hell for those who would reject him, you know, which is ridiculous. Yeah, so, so it's hard to it's hard to go and share scripture with somebody in the street for evangelism because we live in a society where people do not read their Bible. Or have any knowledge of what's actually in the Bible? It's irrelevant. So, if if most most of the population, or a, a big part of the population, isn't um, or don't classify themselves as Christians, does the Queen lose popularity, or does she gain popularity when she doesn't mention um, a Christian God? No, because it's it's only the Church who would actually notice. All oh, right. She hasn't, she hasn't taken that almost spiritual lead for the country. Okay. Way, I mean, Boris Johnson nearly died. You know, he was in intensive care. Mm -hmm. He's praised quite rightly is for the people who care for him, but there's no mention that you know that he prayed. Right. He prayed. So, so politics and God just don't happen in the UK anymore. Yeah. There was a referendum a few years ago, wasn't there? If if you should keep the royal family or not, I remember something vaguely like that. There was like a referendum, and, and only for Brexit, we would never have a vote. That would be that would be far too dangerous. Okay. You, you're stripping away, you know, an institution. You're talking about a revolution. Yeah, so because that would never happen, will it? Like uh, to take down the monarchy. Well, that's why we have a royal family because it's never happened, and it will never happen. Do you think? I don't think it will. Not not in the UK. I don't think so. They're too much of a sort of national dread of a national institution. Well, yeah, they because don't, they don't have authority to create laws, right? As opposed to in other countries where you know they could have actually stripped away assets. Mm -hmm. What we're actually seeing now is that they're looking. So, I mean, uh, Harry and Meghan, for example, they've decided they weren't going to take from the public purse anymore. Mm -hmm. And now they've gone to the whole extreme of actually, you know, leaving, yeah. becoming, well, Harry's now an expat. His wife isn't because she, you know, she's gone back to Los mm -hmm. Angeles where she, where she grew up and where she had a career. 
and she's back on home turf. Harry now has left his family, his duty, his role in the, in the military. He'll still have his uh, Invictus Games. But I think, you know, that's a loss to British society because he, he is a hero. The royal family serve in the armed forces as well. You know, that's yeah, something yeah. that is, is, is massively respected. Yeah, what I see is that, you know, um, if there are people who are against the monarchy and the royal family, these people are all in England. Yeah, because the, the rest of the world absolutely adore and, and think it's fascinating, you know. The royal family is fascinating for the outside world who has, have, have never seen a queen, you know. No. But particularly, I mean, but when you talk about royal family, you will always think about the British one. Yes, but, you know, definitely. Yeah. There are others, but... Spanish, the Spanish have a royal family, you know. Yeah, but they're boring. The <laughs> of Jordan is king of the... You know, he's a king. Saudis, yeah. you know, majority of the ruling class are the royal family as well. Yeah, we have is... a royal family in, in Brazil. We have a royal family in Brazil. Uh, I don't know their names, but we do. Really? Yeah, we do. Well, uh, we, we have the prince... He's still There's alive. No Sorry? No merchandise, no palaces. Absolutely nothing. They have absolutely no influence in, 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 in well, anywhere. Uh, they have, they try to, to raise funds themselves to keep their uh, palaces uh, yeah. working as museums and stuff like that. But, how uh, far does the university go back? Sorry? How many? How many hundreds of years does their dynasty go back? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Our country has about 500 years. That's it. So their dynasty probably goes back as much as that. Um, they're the Albuquerque family. I think something, I don't know their names. We, we, we really, we don't know. And especially because I never studied in Brazil. So I really don't know the history. All I know is that a couple of Portuguese people, uh, stumbled upon a big piece of land called Brazil and they colonized us. But that's it. So do you have their image on stamps and oh, money? No, 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 no. Nothing. So who, do have, who do you have on your coins? Presidents and um, the Lady of Justice, we call it. Right. Which is a, a, a symbol of justice, which <laughs> I don't, doesn't really make sense. Every coin that we have in England will have the Queen's image on it. Yeah. Uh, and then notes will then have someone of historical importance on yeah. there. Well, actually, you know, uh, let me correct myself. We don't have uh, faces of presidents. We actually have uh, animals. Okay. So we, we have different types of animals which are, you know, exclusive in Brazil. So that's it. Well, uh, let's move on. So the, not everyone loves the royal family. In England, okay, and we kind of touched this this uh, this point. The Queen has strong influence in political matters. Does she have a voice in what happens? Well, the Prime Minister will consult with Her Majesty every week. I think on a Friday, mm -hmm. so I don't think the meeting will be much longer than forty-five minutes. So that will either be in, in Windsor or Buckingham Palace. Obviously, not if she's in Scotland. Sandringham. They won't do that. Um, she obviously opens Parliament, so she she doesn't have the ability to introduce laws, 
but she will endorse them. Oh, okay. Right. But so when, when Parliament shuts down for the summer, she will recall Parliament. She will give permission after an election for, well, Boris Johnson, obviously he won the last election, so he had to ask permission of Her Majesty to form his government. Right. So, so, so she does have... So it's not... Um... It's more of a traditional role. Right. But does she have the power to, uh, to intervene or in, interpose a, a law? No. No. She can endorse it, but she can't be against it. Yeah. Like she can't block it from going See, forward. It's non-political because you might have, you know, if uh, Jeremy Corbyn won the last election, she would have a Labour government. So, right, she she remains impartial. She won't share her her views on those kind of things. Okay, brilliant. All right, so the the Queen uh, has a traditional, I wouldn't say influence. She has a traditional role in, in politics, maybe, but not, no influence. Not just her, it'd be whoever is in her position as king or queen. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Right. But as, she's 97. So, you know, the fact she has served this country, she's given her life to serve the country. Yes, she, she surely has, you know, and I was actually going to mention that. I, I actually respect her very much, not the whole royal family. But I think Queen Elizabeth's history is, uh, you know, res it's respectable. How do you feel about that? I would agree. I think she's uh, a godly woman who's raised her children, you know. And it must break her heart with allegations against Prince Andrew. You know, mm -hmm. he, he did an absolute train crash of a of an interview in Panorama, the whole mm -hmm. Epstein thing, and, uh, you know. And she's, she's, she's kind of always been alone against everything that's happened to her. That's how I feel. Well, she is married, still married. I mean, her husband, Prince Philip, he's, I think he's 99 now. He's always been by her side. So he, he's been her rock for everything. He might not be seen her. You know, he's, yeah. he's the consul. It, it would be improper for him to be seen as the one who's uh, telling yeah. the queen what to say and do. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but but still, you know, even with him, I feel that they've been alone for most of the battles they've 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 confronted. You know, um, I feel that silence and dignity. They've done it behind closed doors. Yeah, that's so right. With the press, they do not comment. I think with the Prince Andrew thing, this is such a, an extreme allegation that he felt he had to do something. Mm -hmm. But probably Queen's, I would have thought probably against the Queen's wishes. Yeah, right. And the same with um, Harry and Meghan as well. You know, how their, their social media PR team have uh, announced you know, rebrandings and stuff on social media before consulting with the Queen. It's probably something that... Well, Harry has... isn't the first one to to refuse the the royal title, is he? No. Um, I the, th Queen, the Queen's uncle, 
he abdicated to marry King Edward or something like that. Yeah, he married. I forget what her name is, but she was an American socialite who'd been Wallace Simpson. So yeah. he abdicated because she was she was divorced. Mm -hmm. so back at that time, it wasn't seen fit for to marry um, someone who'd been divorced. Yeah. So he chose to lay down his role and move to America and marry Wallace Simpson. Right. And you could probably say there's probably uh, you know, similarities between that. Um, yeah, that's right. Harry, so. Yeah. Okay, so, um, all right, that's enough about the royal family. Um, what we gather is that, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of influence. It's more a tradition. And, uh, and both of us, we actually respect her very much. <laughs> all right, next. The, 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 well, next point, actually, I'm, I don't agree with this, but um, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of English food. So English food isn't very tasty. Well, fish and chips, not tasty. I think it is. Well, I, Who, I wrote love... Who wrote this question? Have they been? No, this is actually, um, this is one of those cliches that we hear all the time, like English food isn't good. And not only in Brazil, everywhere you go, you hear uh, talk about English food and that it's not really that good and it's not tasty. But I love it. You know, like baked beans, the pork sausages, the, the foot-long sausages. Um, well, uh, the mashed potatoes that you have, the shepherd's pie and the Yorkshire pie also, you have that also, right? And yeah, pudding, pudding. Yeah, the batter, it's just so amazing. Like, um, I don't really eat vegetables, but when I'm in, in England, they taste different. They're good. So, I don't know. I love it. Well, you know why? Because your meat is a lot better value in Brazil. Over here, meat is quite expensive. So, so we have to use vegetables to make sure that plate is full. <laughs> to fill up the plate. <laughs> yeah, because we can grow the veg in our back garden, but we don't have a herd of cattle that we can take. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, meat is uh, ridiculously expensive in the UK. It's like, and it's not really, it's not even like the best meat. Um, we we have meat in Brazil is quite cheap. Um, and it's really good also. But I love British food. Have you ever heard that British food isn't tasty? Have you ever heard that from anyone? It, it depends who cooks you that British food, I think. Okay. It can vary from household to household. So if you're quite blessed, if your mum is a good cook, <laughs> then you will eat well and you will have good, you know, good memories or, you know, you have a, a better opinion about English food. Yeah. But if your mum is terrible, <laughs> you <can laughs> enjoy it because it might be burnt and rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I love it. Um, baked beans, I mean... I try making baked beans like homemade here in Brazil and I've actually tried it about five times and I only got it right once. Okay. Uh, which... eBay, my friend. Just buy it from eBay. Oh, no, it's impossible. It's really expensive to bring it over. It, like what? I, I bought a can with baked beans and sausages in tomato sauce at well, Lidl. <laughs> I know you wouldn't buy it, but I paid like 10p. There's yeah. a guy selling it on the internet here in Brazil, and he's um, charging 60 reais, which is about 10 pounds, I think. About, yeah, right. 10 pounds 
for okay. one can of baked beans. Just, is he based in Brazil or is he shipping it from the UK? I think he, he brought it from the UK. So they right. probably go and bring back a, a, a couple um, and sell it to pay for the flight ticket. <laughs> yeah, and we found Maltesers too here in Brazil. A small packet right. is like um, 20 reais. That would be around five pounds, probably six pounds. It's the same over here. So, like, people would import stuff from from the states as well. So, like, American chocolates, cereal as well. So, yeah. you know, a, a, a box of cereal over in the states probably costs two dollars, but over here you'll be paying six quid for it. Wow, it's just not novelty food. Yeah, if you want me to send you a can of beans? I can find out how much it costs to send you some beans. <laughs> you know, I cannot express. I cannot really express how much I love baked beans. If I, I would eat it every day, but I can't say. They are very versatile. You can use them for breakfast. KFC, they serve baked beans in England. Oh, yeah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> when they're open, obviously they're not open at the moment. So McDonald's just reopened yesterday in Hastings. So they're, oh. they're massive queues. So I said, I saw that. Uh, no different from when they were open before COVID. There were massive queues back then. It <laughs> okay just to get your order right. I get the news from uh, from Hastings on my phone, and I saw there was huge queue outside the you know the Bexhill Leisure Centre. Is it? Yeah. yeah. There was a huge queue of cars uh, going through the, the drive-through for McDonald's. So. Right. So, I sorry, I haven't really missed it. It's been quite good. I've lost weight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have, okay. I have like microwave alternatives to cheeseburgers eh, from Lidl. Well, That's they're not very healthy either, though, are they? No, they're not. But it, 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 you can just put it on the plate to remind you of things as they were two months ago. <laughs> All right. Okay. I was actually telling my girlfriend she wants she I don't know why she put it in her head that she wants to live in in England. Right, so she's actually been researching everything that is about England and Hastings. She even looked up uh, rent prices. So I don't know. God knows what he's doing. But anyway, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Sounds like you're emigrating. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, so we both disagree that food isn't tasty, right? No, we agreed that English food is tasty. We both disagree that it isn't tasty, oh, so right. we both agree that it is tasty, yeah? We agree that it's tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one more thing, just to finish this topic. Listen, um, pub food, I think it's sensational. Um, yeah. I, I went to some pubs in, in, the, in England last time. The food was just amazing. What did you have? What did you eat? A lot of hamburgers, uh, but I also had gammon, yep. which is something we don't have here. Um, and street food. I had the footlong sausage. You know, yep. I cannot find that taste here in Brazil. You can't That's find... Probably more German. That's probably a bratwurst. That's more German, footlong sausage. Really? It tastes so British. <laughs> So you know what I do to like what? lots of ketchup on it. <laughs> Actually, you know what I do. I buy 
you know, a normal sausage. And uh, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. What do you call it? Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. You know what I'm talking about. Lee, Lee and Perkins sauce. Yeah, the yeah. Lee and Perkins. Yeah. yeah. So I, I cook the sausage and the onions with that, and it tastes a bit like England. Okay. That would work. There's right. Lots, lots of my friends have started up like street food, so converting trailers or converting vans. And it is very popular, particularly at the moment, because it's easy to... to like food trucks. Because there's restaurants are shut, but if you've got a takeaway, you're allowed to trade. Yeah. Yeah, street, uh, I think street food in the UK is really good. In London, I know it's probably not very hygienic, but um, it, in, in Hastings, the food is really good. But, you know, we have a food and hygiene, so councils have to run that. So we have like a five-star rating where okay. so when you sign on, you get your business license to actually sell uh, food and, and beverages. Um, they will do spot checks and you'll get hygiene and if oh, you get zero or one local press will pick up on it and they will make sure everybody knows okay. that you run a hygiene business and people stay away so that's yeah. what the uh, the green stickers on the windows when you come over to England oh right okay. it doesn't mean five people are allowed in here it means that their food hygiene is excellent <laughs> really alright okay next one and we're coming to a close uh, but next one is the tea everybody loves and drinks tea yes they do <laughs> okay next <laughs> <laughs> so what is this obsession with tea where does it come from i think it reminds people that we used to have an empire <laughs> so it's a reminder that you yeah. were once that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but yeah. are, you, are you sure everyone who drinks tea actually knows the history no definitely not <laughs> i mean i'm sure even i know what the history is it's just it's just one of those things mug of tea is just so british you know and yeah. with your starbucks and your nero's and all the coffee shops they've tried to take place of the great british cup of tea but it is it, if you have a, a cooked breakfast, you'll be ordering tea with it, probably not a coffee. Right. Coffee now, very much, you, you have that alone. It is a, a one-off thing. Tea can accompany, you know, your breakfast in the morning with toast, cereal, mm -hmm. 11 o'clock with a biscuit or two. Um, some people even drink it at night, but I tend not to do that now because I'm now 45 and don't want to have caffeine keeping me awake at night. How many cups of tea would you say, on average, uh, a normal English person drinks a day? Probably at least a minimum of two, okay. maybe three. I'm thinking about myself now, so I've just switched to green tea rather than having tea with milk mm -hmm. um, in the morning. Um, that's because I like tea with the sugar in, so now I'm going for green tea because I'm trying to lose a bit of a um, middle-aged spread okay <laughs> so now i have green tea but it's nice and there's a whole science behind it so i've got a friend called linda and she had a tea shop 
So she would have at least a hundred different varieties of flavors of tea. Wow. Mm. And sort of like very measured on, on how you would actually, you know, prepare the tea as well, not just like boiling the water. But mm -hmm. Do you put the tea first, then do you add the tea bag, or do you strain it, or do you put the tea bag in first, then the hot water, then do you add the milk straight away, or should you leave the tea bag in the hot water for three minutes, then remove the tea bag, and then add the milk? So there's so, a whole process to getting it right. There, there is a whole culture behind drinking tea and that's what China and Japan lead the way because they obviously know that mm -hmm. then becomes a ritual. I think um, one of our politicians, it might have even been Boris, and he was just ridiculed for how he made cups of tea for people. So it was literally, in fact, it's quite similar to how I make it. So tea oh, bagging, right. and then add the milk and then pour the tea bag afterwards. And that's what a normal person does though. That's what a normal person does. Yes, a person in a hurry. It, it seems yeah. to work. It saves time, exactly. <laughs> but then when I pour, pour the milk, so I've got the tea bag in the hot water, and then I pour the milk in, and just before the milk hits the surface of the water, that's why I stop pouring it. So you, exactly. you also have a, a process that you use? Yes. So if you have a cup of tea around my place, the tea would actually be quite strong and not too milky. And it's okay. probably a whole like Pantone colour chart of what is an acceptable shade of tea in that oh, wow. And then you've got a whole other strata of people who say, so you've got PG Tips, which is normally the most prominent brand that you can pick up in the supermarket. So they'll mm -hmm. do like the big boxes of 280 for five pounds. And then you've also got Yorkshire Tea, which most people prefer the taste of. Right, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were all picked by the same person off the same bush, <laughs> and then they just end up in different <laughs> different labels. My father actually bought two of those five pound packets to bring back to Brazil, and I said, "Dad, customs is without a doubt they're going to stop you and ask you to open it." He had these right. two huge like uh, saver packs. That's what you call it, right? Saver packs, and it was just absolutely huge. And he had two of them. <laughs> <laughs> my parents love tea. How much is he selling those for in open access? <laughs> well, we don't we don't right. really drink tea over here, and we try sometimes. You know, like um, in some of our classes, we want to bring a little bit of England inside the classroom, so we make them English tea. Okay, but it's very different to what they're used to. So most of them don't like it they try a little bit and you know that's that's about it for them really um i grew up there and i don't drink tea uh, i i drink coffee i drink a lot of coffee but not tea so i don't know it's my, my taste buds don't accept it very well but all the rest hash browns baked beans pork sausages all the rest <laughs> okay um I remember that. I'll make sure I've got some coffee in the house when you come there. <laughs> That's not necessary. Being being with you is enough. Don't worry about it. Right. Let's let's move on. I want to move on to the next one, which which I'm gonna make it be the last one. Um, now this is something that I actually. I admire 
in British people, in English people specifically, because I'm talking about the British, but I actually don't know any other uh, nationalities. I don't know any Scottish people or Welsh or Northern Irish. I only have contact with English. So every time I use the British, consider it as English, okay? Um, so the English don't insist so if they offer you something, and um, I felt this last time I was in the UK, because for us here in Brazil, when somebody offers you something, it's rude. It's kind of, um, it's, it's rude to accept it the first time. So you say, oh, no, no, I don't want to bother. And then the, the person offers it to you again. Uh, it's like a little play. It's like a role playing that happens. Um, so people insist in the UK, if they offer you something and you say, oh, no, don't worry about it, they're not going to ask you again. How do you, is that true? Is that a true perception that we have, that the British don't actually insist? Again, I think it's down to the personality type. So if Anna offered you a piece of cake and you said no, she would probably offer it to you again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a hesitancy of, of taking something. I don't know. It's it, it, just down to upbringing. So, you know, I've always lived in very hospitable families as well, particularly with Anna's mum and dad. You know, the whole thing in Hungarian culture is that uh, if somebody comes round, there's a bottle of Coke or drink is put on the table, cakes are brought out of the kitchen, regardless mm -hmm. whether they just eat it just there is it's part of the hospitality um in england not so much i mean you could go around somebody's house and be there for an hour and you know you might not be offered a drink at all so okay. it, it, it does depend on, on the person that you are you are seeing so mm -hmm. in, in business they will ask you uh, at the start of the meeting if you would like a drink unless it's like a mass interview kind of situation which mm -hmm. is water available on the table mm -hmm. but it's an icebreaker really i think offering somebody a drink yeah i think so yeah yeah i i find it that um uh i'm trying to be careful with the words because i don't want to be offensive with any culture but uh it's characteristic that you know you it's clear for us who travel as you notice these things um the british they're very straightforward so if you want it, just say you want it. If you don't want it, just say you don't want it. It's okay to say no. It's, yeah. it's actually okay to say no. Like, look, I can't do this for you. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, in, in Brazil, it's a bit different. And in this, in this situation, I'm going to use the word touchy um, to mean sensi sensitive. And, well, sensible, yeah. sensitive, yeah. Uh, Brazilians are a bit touchy. So if you refuse to do something for someone, um, most people will get, you know, offended. Um, if you don't offer them something, they get offended. If uh, you offer them something and they say yes straight away, it's a bit weird. So uh, there's this whole, I don't know, role-playing, as I said, you know, before you accept something, uh, which you just don't, I don't see that in the UK. Yeah. Uh, things are a bit more straightforward. Yeah, I mean, for the person offering it, if if that person doesn't 
reciprocate doesn't actually take what you're offering, they'll probably get grumbled about afterwards, but not to their face. It'd be oh, sort of like, okay. I couldn't believe I didn't want a piece of cake. Why wouldn't I have a piece of cake? What's wrong with the cake? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's the same for you then. Like Seinfeld, kind of like, <laughs> what, what is wrong with them? Why would they not eat it? So I think we can come down to the conclusion that it's it's also a question of upbringing and personality, not so much nationality. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, be interesting to see how this goes because at the moment people aren't allowed in your house. You know, they're reluctant to take drinks because of, you know contamination or whatever. Even though we've all been locked down for nine weeks and none of us have exhibited any signs other than like you know maybe a a sneeze here or there because of hay fever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of, I don't think, I don't think the UK will be the same again. I don't think any nation's going to be the same again. Yeah. It might take a generation or two for it to then come out, but then by then there, there could be a new threat to health. One Maybe. thing I have noticed, you know, after being in lockdown for six or seven weeks, I don't know if you go out for walks around your neighbourhood, but when we were actually allowed to go out for exercise for like longer than an hour, if a car passed you, you really notice the smell of the carbon monoxide coming out of it. Like no. really and that, that, was, that was quite surprising. Now going out, there's all the cars on the road, so you just acclimatise back to it. Mm -hmm. And you haven't heard any more from Greta Thunberg either. No, the, she's, uh, she's off the map. I think she's happy because suddenly all traffic stops, all airline travel. Exactly. It's almost a personal victory for her. Yeah. Maybe. She's probably on a boat somewhere, waiting for the wind to pick up. <laughs> yeah. Probably. It is interesting because she was one of the main, you know, people who were featuring quite a lot of the news about, about the environment. And suddenly the world just shut down. And it's perhaps, I, I even, I thought I saw a news headline about even the ozone layer, where there was, you know, yeah, a hole. It had to restored or something. But I mean, that's what you expect. If, if like, a couple of million people do no longer go out in their cars, yes, there's going to be less pollution. And maybe that's why we've had more blue skies in the UK over the last nine weeks. Maybe, 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 yeah. Okay, Chris, um, to finish, I just want to ask you, um, now, this isn't about specifically the English. Now it's your turn to get back at, at us. Is there, what behavior is unacceptable in the UK, which is, well, common in other countries? Is there anything that comes to mind? That's common in other countries? I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on, on laws of other countries. I know in Germany, in Berlin, if you step out in front of a car, you're the one who's, who's going to be fined and prosecuted as, as a pedestrian. If you do that in the UK, it will be the, the driver who will get done for not driving with due care and attention, regardless of how much of a, you know, a numpty the pedestrian might be, <laughs> just stepping out in front of you, yeah. the, the law will be against you. Um, what's really unacceptable in the UK not clapping the NHS on a Thursday night <laughs> you know that's unacceptable 
<laughs> okay, yeah, I understand that. I understand how you feel about that one. We have similar things here in Brazil, but people, they, they, they use that they clap their pans outside yeah. their apartment windows for like an hour, but it's like a protest against the government or in favor of the government. So you never really know what's happening. You're just hearing noises all night. You just join in, so yeah. All right. Is there any Brazilian behavior that you find odd? Any Brazilian, uh, probably refusing a cup of tea with milk. That would seem strange. <laughs> I mean, it's cultural immersion. Why would you not want to? But then, like, do you grumble about it with Anna? Like, why didn't they take a cup of tea? What's wrong with my cup of tea? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Maybe there is something wrong with the cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, well, actually, last time I went there, um, Chris made me a full English breakfast, practically. Uh, and it was amazing. One of the Very best. Practical. Does that mean I missed something out? Why? What do you mean? I don't know. Did you want mushrooms with it as well? No, no, I, I don't like mushrooms, but it was perfect. What you did was excellent. It was so that there's a hint for you, October. There's a hint for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question. Are most Brits or yeah, most Brits against for or against the Brexit? We voted in favour of Brexit. The people spoke and we got Brexit. Okay. Nobody knows because I think everything's been focused on, but everything has been focused on COVID-19. So one of, one of the issues with Brexit was, would we still have freedom of movement in the EU? Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's what's been discussed at the moment, but not because of Brexit, but because of COVID-19. Oh, okay. So can we travel uh, to, to Germany or Spain or somewhere? And then uh, we have to quarantine when we get there, which makes the whole thing of going for a holiday completely pointless because you then have to self-isolate in a hotel and not actually see anything of the country you visited yeah. and then have 14 days afterwards. So they're talking about having uh, air corridors where there'll be agreements between countries that you wouldn't need that. But mm. I would have thought with Brexit, they'll be saying, oh, if you're English, then you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days regardless. Because we didn't want you to leave the EU, we wanted you to stay in it because yeah. you were a financial contributor to the EU. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. I know so in other countries, potentially, they too could leave the EU if they voted for it. But okay. I don't okay. know what it means. I, I mean, now with COVID-19, I mean, Bentley, uh, you know, Jaguar uh, asked the government for a billion, uh, you know, to, to help them. And they said that will keep them going for another month. Oh gosh, really? Oh my, okay. Well, I mean, the good thing out of this is that, you know, our, our, our train service might be nationalised, which might mean fairer pricing to actually get up and down the country. So uh, you take the train to Cambridge and probably for the price that you, you go by train to Cambridge, you, you could probably get up to the top of Scotland by aeroplane. Oh, yeah, that, when you say nationalised, you mean um, the state's going to buy it? Yeah. So the government, because that's how it was, British Rail back in the sort of like 80s, it was owned by the government and then it was sold out to you know, Richard Branson Virgin Trains. So now if you buy, a, a, it's not straightforward to buy a t train ticket from, like, from Hastings to Newcastle, mm -hmm. you might have to go through several like, different 
train companies. Yeah. Uh, it's just 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 bizarre way of trying to find the cheapest way of doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, Chris, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, I thank you a lot for for giving up your time for talking to us. I'm sure that lots of people are going to take advantage of this moment of this conversation, and I'm sure it's going to help a lot of students practice their listening. So thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Thank you very much. And one thing I would ask the listeners is that they are, that they share the podcast as much as possible and that they have a look at the open access web websites. I'm sure there's lots of e-learning that you're offering and uh, support this great family business. They're, they're doing a lot for your town. They're doing a lot for tourism in England as well. And we look forward to seeing you in October and then potentially in 2021 when you bring your next class over. Amen. God bless Amen. Izzy. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.